Good evening, my little darklings. For months, nay, even years, I've been talking about soul retrieval on the show and making it sound very romantic. The concept of pulling back those pieces of us that we have left in all the wrong places and getting our souls back together. But what does that really mean? And how does it work? Is this just more woo, tree-huggery nonsense? I don't think so. I know many people that have actually gone in for this metaphysical style healing and feel as though their life is finally complete. And they put on themselves a brand new pathway, a pathway to love, success, and happiness. But how does this happen? And so many of you from around the world contact me constantly with the fear of getting attachments and having something cling to you whether it's an energy or demonic forces, ghosts you don't want, or just the negative vampires that are in your life, how can we separate ourselves from that energy? How can we banish it and keep ourselves free? Well, tonight, we're going to delve into both of these possibilities, and I have a feeling this show may go just a little longer than 60 minutes because we've got a lot to cover right here on The Very Best in Paranormal Programming. I'm your host, and this is my Paranormal 60. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps. Maloney, perhaps not. Hello, my little darklings. Again, it is a pleasure to be here at the helm of the Paranormal 60, and we have one hell of a show for you. Listen, one of the best things about doing this program is the accidental meetings and connections you make and getting plugged in from people that are listeners and friends and fans of the supernatural and the paranormal. Our guest tonight was actually introduced to me via her sister. And I said, well, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing a little bit more. And her sister sent me a very cool email, one of which I'm going to read part of, because when I started to read this and unpack it, I thought I could cut it into a really nice little bio, but there is so much in this. And I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but these are the segments that caught my attention. Dave, I was an atheist clinical psychologist. I have a doctorate in clinical psychology from Vanderbilt University, and I finally was in private practice in North Carolina when unexpectedly the spirits found me. It was a very rough transition of many years, dark night of the soul for a long while. Now I work for these Mongolian spirits. I am initiated into a lineage of shamans in Mongolia where I live part of the year. And as I shaman, I work as a psychic, a medium, and an energy healer. A good part of the work I do seems focused on the deeper healing at the soul level, soul retrievals, and more. Just that segment alone grabbed my imagination, my heart, and my mind because we've been discussing soul retrieval on the show for a very long time and those concepts and the ideas behind them. So I was excited to get somebody on that we could talk to a recent conversation to actually hear from someone who's trained to do this, who has had the calling put upon them to make a difference and help us heal. So we're going to discuss that uh, so much more in this as well. Um, 
the fact that she also works in helping to banish energies, help us detach from dark, malevolent spirits, from spirits that are just hangers-on. And I want to know more about those energies. Is it always just the dead that are around us? Or could there be something more to this? So, without further ado, let us begin and let me introduce you to my guest for this evening, ladies and gentlemen, joining us, Francis Ullman. PhD, MD, ABB, TCW, <laughs> XYZ. I, I got nothing. Francis, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, it is such an honor, Dave. I have so much respect for you and what you do. You know, it's not just sensationalism with you. You really approach this whole topic of the paranormal with integrity and with heart. And also, just as importantly, I have so much respect for your fans and your viewers and your community. And so I promise you all tonight, I'm not going to give you just the 101 basic. Like, I really want to have a, a deep conversation because I know the people are here. I'm ready to listen. Thank you so much it's for doing honor. that. I, I appreciate it. And I know so do our listeners around the world. Uh, what a crazy background coming from being an, an atheist clinical psychologist, okay. somebody who's based and rooted in the logical, trying to make sense of this crazy world that we live in to getting this first calling can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I, I want to know how somebody makes such a radical swing. Well, I'm going to tell you briefly how it happened to me from the human perspective. I have a, I have a strong suspicion that something else is going on on a higher level. And that part of me knew what was happening. <laughs> but from the, from in the trenches. Um, yeah, quite honestly, I, I mean, if, if you hear a white girl calling herself a shaman, you should be skeptical. You should be max level, 11 out of 10 skeptical. Um, what happened to me was I do, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology and it took actually over 10 years from the beginning of graduate school to being fully licensed. Um, and up throughout my entire story, I was a complete atheist. And I don't mean like kind of agnostic. I mean like one of those real snotty ones, <laughs> like really certain, you know, and like, kind of thought down on people. Like if I heard someone believe in ghosts, it was like, you didn't pass the test, you know, you weren't as smart. I mean, I, I just, I really want to put myself out there and say, I was one of those people that was judging. Um, and so I find that a really beautiful part of my story now, <laughs> because it's not like I had ever been interested in anything in these topics for the first three and a half decades of my life. And I'd never had any paranormal experiences. I was finally in private practice. I was seeing my clients and I had, uh, you know, the English language I think has been, I think intentionally a lot of words have been removed that make it more difficult for us to communicate about these things. So I'll use the words that we have available, but I had a very rapid, almost violent opening. Um, and I have no history of mental illness. I have no history of prior drug use. Um, and I went from like zero to light speed. So as a clinical psychologist, I was sitting with people, um, you know, they were coming into my office, we were closing the door and reinforcing the idea of shame. They were sitting on my couch and I started hearing the spirits of their past loved ones um, saying things to me. And it, and the thing for me that, uh, you know, I think so much of this was guided, but again, coming at it from my eyes, what was really important is it was immediately evidential. It would be like a client sitting there telling me something and I suddenly heard their grandmother saying, she's lying to you. Ask her again what she did last night. Sure enough, now, I would. When you say that, you heard her grandmother. 
-hmm. How did you know to identify, oh, this is her grandmother? Obviously, this was kind of a on again, boom, off again kind of situation, right? You were in a world where that did not exist. And suddenly (laughs) you begin hearing the spirit realm speaking to you. Yeah, I would say clairaudience and claircognizance are my strongest, uh, what I call spirit senses. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see as much as other people. And I think there's a reason for that, but we can talk about that if you wish. Um, But it wasn't just hearing a voice. And for me, when I say I hear a voice, it's like that, you know how many of us have an internal monologue? That's mm-hmm. how it comes to me, very subtle. So I have to ve- I have to have a very still mind to do this. But along with that came the claircognizance of this is the grandmother on the father's side. Um, so they just kind of came together. And Now, were you breaking that down on the patients at that moment? Were you going, no, your grandmother says you're lying to me right now? Or did you just <laughs> take that and incorporate it into, I think there's more to this story. Are you sure we're being honest about it was this? More- it was more like that, but I, I held on to it for about a year. But, you know, I, I think what I quickly recognized was I never doubted myself. I don't know why, um, but I, I immediately knew that this was true. But if it was true, that meant I had been wrong on a very fundamental level about many things, including about the way that clinical psychology could hurt someone. There's a lot of benefits to it, but, you know, I, I want to really out myself as someone I was hurting people in some capacity because I was creating a space where they couldn't bring their whole self in among other Mm -hmm. things. Um, So when this all began happening to me, it was, it was a lightning moment um, of, of needing to decide what I needed to do. Like, could I stay in that role? And interestingly, when I did decide to leave, I did tell actually some of my closer clients and I told a lot of my colleagues and what I find so fascinating is within these like institutional walls, we never talked about anything like this, but my closer colleagues, when I told them, I would say about half of them had their own stories. And one of my favorite ones was someone that I was in a peer supervision group with. We'd meet once a week. We'd talk about our difficult cases. We were very, very close. And I told her and she said, oh yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, like, have, has everyone been keeping this from me? Am I the fool? And she said, yeah, she had been working at the prison um, a few years before. And one time, one day she came home from the prison and she had an attachment on her and she didn't know what to do about it. So she took this difficulty to her psychologist and the psychologist referred her to her shaman. (laughs) Wow. So I think it's an open secret. I just didn't know about it. Sammy asks, how old were you when it really hit though? So I am 46 now. It was I. It was about nine years ago. So I was about 36, 37. I'm, I'm, I think I'm in the 10th year, somewhere around there, late 30s, mid late 30s. Right. And when you go and you start talking to contemporaries in the field about this, and they're very, yeah, this is it's kind of our dirty little secret, Francis. We many of us can do this. How big of a shock was that to you? Mind blowing. I mean, I don't think I can ever adequately. Um, I like to write and I've tried to write about this. I still have not found a way to adequately describe what it's like to have something so fundamentally earth shattering happen so spontaneously. Never. In fact, another person who I told she was an amazing uh, therapist, she was a social worker. When I told her what happened, she said, Don't tell anyone, but I used <laughs> to work as a channeler medium but I didn't get enough respect. So I went into social work. 
Wow, that's excellent. What a great way to take a gift and find a way to apply it to a real world setting in order to yeah. bring help. I also, I want to be upfront with you and say that I, I have a lot of respect on a comment you made about therapists, you know, hurting people. And, and there are, people understand we're not attacking therapists. And I know that mm -hmm. there are therapists in the room right now, but I've, I've said on multiple occasions, and there are a lot of people that are so righteous indignation, shaking their fists at, at fake mediums as they think they are. And I've said, you know, mm -hmm. the thing to me that's always been fascinating is how many of these mediums in a five minute gallery session can put a person back on their path with a positive, loving message that years on a therapist's couch may never come because it's, well, how do you feel? How do you, why do you feel that your parents felt that way about you? Digging into things that don't really seem to help when really what we want is to hear Francis, it's, it's going to be okay. Your father has forgiven you. Your father has moved on to a much better place and he's not holding this over you. And he wants you to let go of it as your, as well, because you can't live a good, fulfilling life holding on to something that will just drag you down. And the best way to honor that man right now is to step up and live a life worth living for both of you. Honor him that way. And I've watched people just the change in them in minutes of watching somebody who can't even make eye contact. Suddenly their heads up, they're smiling. There's a sense of relief. And, and I think that's a beautiful deal. Obviously, like in any profession, psychologists and mediums alike, there are bad people that do bad things and take advantage of, of weak people. But I can say I've seen more good come from uh, people with gifts than I've seen negative. And, uh, you know, some of the very best mediums out there police their, their clients. And they very easily could fold into being, you know, a therapist where they're charging a hundred bucks a week to talk to the same 10 people and live a good life. But they're, they refuse. They're like, no, you've got to make your own decisions and choices. This isn't, you know, pull the, you know, pull the switch on, on Zoltar and see what happens and what message he gives you to, you know, to make your life better. So I really respect that. And I respect the mediums and psychics that know when to say, enough's enough, Francis, you need to live your life a little bit. And, you know, if you want to make an appointment every five or six months to, you know, see if we can communicate with somebody, that's great. But this isn't a therapy session. This isn't meant to, to do all that. And, you know, so I see both sides of that spectrum and I appreciate you, you acknowledging that. And I know it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Um, coming from an atheistic point of view and realizing the soul outlives the physical form. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that change your atheism or does it leave you more questions than answers? Well, I'm really, I'm really out there, Dave. And I think maybe before we get into these things, maybe we should talk about what it means. Like, why can I call myself a shaman? Why is that valid? Well, I did. I um, want to, I definitely want to get yeah. into that. I just wanted but to I, know real quickly oh, on yeah. this element, so, if there was a, a change fundamentally in the belief system that, okay, now that I acknowledge ghosts, that mu must mean there's a universal power, a God, a uh, something. For me. Um, I think transitioning into uh, this part of my, this chapter on my path, uh, I think atheist technically means not believing in a God as, as the, the, the top. And I, I guess in some ways we could still say I'm an atheist. I believe in consciousness, but the way that I, the way that I experience reality is fundamentally different, fundamentally different than it was before. And in fact, my brother passed two years ago 
and he's no thank you he he's been uh, a tremendous guide for me um in passing among with other people i work with the, when i say work with i mean like they help me <laughs> right um and and uh, my fear of death is just gone it's just gone i don't want now it's like oh i don't want to hurt you know who wants to have a headache who wants to feel pain but uh, yeah my relationship just with what it even means uh is is completely different i and again this is coming from a place of like not having any of this before and it took a while to get here but i now in some ways experience this as the dream and i am growing in my um somewhere between belief and knowing that mm -hmm. upon our dropping our body is when we wake up. That's a great way to look at it. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. All right. So again, I will tell you wholeheartedly when your sister came to me and she's like, you need to talk to my sister. <laughs> my sister's a shaman. I'm like, oh, for the love of God, some <laughs> I know. flower carrying, rock polishing, tree hugging, Birkenstock wearing, teetotaling shaman <laughs> is coming my way. And I was, well, sure. What can you tell me? And reading your information, certainly I love the conflicted reality that you seem to have. And yeah. uh, I was willing to talk to you. And I love the fact that you're like, I think people misunderstand what shaman truly is. So let's educate people because first of all, it's a shame that I, uh, people should look at you and go, Oh, an attractive blonde shaman. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, oh. it shouldn't be so easily dismissive. Right. I mean, what, what are we getting wrong? What is the, the misconception out in the field regarding that term? Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking. Well, yes and no. I mean, that's true, but also I think they should, if you see a white woman with yellow hair, calling herself a shaman, you better be skeptical. Otherwise you're not doing your due diligence. Mm -hmm. um, so the way that I describe it is throughout the world in all cultures and all times, including this time we have our sacred healers, sacred healers would be someone like chip coffee, you know, like they are the souls that are just a little bit different, but we, we find them all over the world, indigenous and non-indigenous cultures. Mm -hmm. So I call them sacred healers in spaces like north america maybe we would use words like medicine men but of course each tribe is going to have their own actual word mm -hmm. in greenland they're called angakok in sapmi which are the indigenous lands of northern europe where i actually live half the year they're called noedi and in mongolia and the neighboring regions they're called shamans so shaman is a very specific kind of sacred healer so what happened so, so if you're not from there basically you're not a shaman that's that Okay. <laughs> but there is some irony in me saying this, of course, with my like West Coast accent. So what happened to me is it's not just that I had a rapid spontaneous opening from the beginning. I had one spirit, one spirit that was uh, persistent in his communication with me. And uh, my podcast talks all about this and all of my outrageous stories about him. But By the way, we do have a link for Francis's podcast and a way to keep up with her and her work on today's program guide as well. All right, go back, Francis. You're thank on. you for that. Yeah. So from the beginning, there was a spirit that was uh, communicating with me, and at, at the beginning, it was very nice and kind and helpful, and then we kind of got into a more antagonistic relationship. But going past a very difficult couple of years, he came to me and he said, "Look, Francis, you're never going to understand who you are until you get to Mongolia." Now, at that time, I had heard of Mongolia. I knew it wasn't in South America, but could I point to it on a map? No. 
uh, I had never, I had never thought about it. it. It's not like some story of like, oh, that makes so much sense because since childhood, like had never thought of this at all. I told him to F off because I had been listening to him for a while. <laughs> he seemed to be giving some pretty bad advice. Okay. <laughs> We've all got those people in our lives. Yeah. 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 I mean, if we, if we want to look at it from a higher level, we could say he was helping me clear karma, but from the human mm -hmm. level, he was, he was pushing me into my karma and it felt like bad advice. So I told him to F off. And Dave, what I find interesting is he said, the door will open and all you have to do is walk through. And so I said, okay, if the door, I, I was uh, at that point quite far from Mongolia. I said, if the door opens to go to this country that I can't point to on a map, I will walk through it. And sure enough, it did. Mm. But it, it did in the most outrageous of ways. So I found myself there and... Um, Gosh, there's so, there's, it's such a great story, but I have so many great stories and I want to stick to the topic of what we're doing tonight. Uh, when I got there, I met with the shamans and this has been true for me everywhere I go. I, well, everywhere I go, I say, I want to meet with the person who hates white people. I want to meet with the person who's like the most like uh, protective of their practices because those are the people that can see with spirit eyes. And in Mongolia, that that's what happened and i met with shamans and they said you're a shaman and we we see you and the thing is i think in mongolia there's a lower bar to becoming a shaman but if you're a white girl going into mongolia it seems to be a higher bar you know mm -hmm. but i have had i've been recognized by five five shamans as a shaman three of them i'm still in contact with um and so I don't remember the beginning of this question, but uh, that is what led me there. And I have been initiated into a lineage of shamans. And what happened is this one spirit that was with me since the beginning, turns out he's my own God. So a, a critical part of Mongolian shamanism, which is not true in all other kinds of sacred work, mm -hmm. is what happens is you, in your initiation, you're sort of like bonded with the spirit for life. And there's no backing out as far as I can tell. In fact, when I took the initiation, what happened was in that moment when just as he was coming into me, I felt this like knife-like pain going up my back, okay. just like, Shh. and the spirit around me said, this is not a something you can back out of. Of course it was after. It, consent doesn't seem to be a big thing in shamanism. <laughs> they said, what you have just agreed to is for life. And if you uh, renounce it, you walk away from it, we'll kill you. That doesn't seem like higher elevated thinking, though, Francis. I say it takes six years to know me. Okay, right. But, I mean, you know, hey, Francis, <laughs> I'd really like to date you, then maybe marry you. And as long as you make that commitment, we're great. As soon as you walk away, you have to die. That would not fly. You would probably go, you know what, Dave? Great guy. Uh, who wouldn't want to be married to Dave Schrader? But that last bit seems a little on the sketchy side. Look, I agree. My methods are very different than the methods of these Mongolian spirits that we're with me. Wow. So wait, it's <laughs> the Mongolian spirits that are threatening you, not the Mongolian shamans that are threatening you. Correct, correct, okay. correct. All right. It, it was the so spirit. It's not I'm your sorry. Teachers. All right. No. Double check. No, well, no, no. Teachers, but your spirit teachers, not your physical form teachers. Okay. Right. Even so, that seems very wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's not why they make such a drastic 
Because I, listen, I, I, if I don't challenge you, everybody's going to beat please, me up tomorrow. Please challenge me. What you just sound, what, what that sounded like to me is, is demonic oppression. And then after breaking mm. you down into possession, because once they get you to agree to their terms, it's how, how is that any different than what you have agreed to? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think as a huge fan of your show and having listened to so much of what you do, what I find interesting is coming at it from the the worldview and the path that I've come from, mm-hmm. I don't think we always have the same worldview in terms. Right. And I understand what you're saying. And I don't know that I can fully explain why I felt such trust about it. But I do want to note by the time that this initiation had happened, I think I had been with the spirit for maybe five or six years and I knew him well. Um, but yeah, man, Mongolians are intense. You know, if we can never get you out there. Uh, you didn't make it a real easy sell on my trip to uh, visit. Cause if they're like Schrader, we think you're a shaman. What do you think about joining our little cadre of friends here and knowing that if you walk away, you're dead. I mean, that sounds like the mafia and that's, that's a little unnerving. I get Look, the bigger you would concept, have a great right? The, the bigger concept is the fact that this is an oath that what you are doing and the gift you are given is something bigger than the individual that possesses it. And, and the death may not be the case of, you know, Francis is shoved off a cliff tomorrow, but the knowledge, the lack and loss of the gift and lack and loss of Mm. that connectedness would seem like a death. And I don't know if I'm broad stroking it, trying to make it sound prettier (laughs) than it is, but I I just want people to kind of maybe look at different perspectives. Cause like you said, you know, world conversation is slightly different we play you put out your tarot cards and i ask what do you see for my future and you flip over the death card as a rube who watches hollywood horror movies we know i'm not going to make it through this movie however that's not what it means it means that there is the end of something coming or that i have just passed that and i'm transitioning into a new step into my life so there are different perspectives in the way that we look at the the messages that are given to us I think that's a perfect example. Like, for example, I've never had, (laughs) yeah, we're good. They're not going to hurt you. I've never had a tarot reading. I've never interacted with tarot cards. Um, And when you say it's a gift, that I think that's what they're saying. It was like, we're about to give you tremendous power. And if you work at it from ego, in in some ways that's leaving it too. If if you're taking this to become Francis Ullman the shaman, you're out. You know, and I've seen them literally strip away powers from people. They were saying, you're in that initiation. Maybe I should also add part of the initiation is I give my life to service. Like, this is it. There's no backing out. I am fully committed to my life being to service to others. Right. And I actually can speak to that. And the fact that I know a few people that have gifts and some of them got and, and they will tell you straight up, they let their ego get control. Yeah, they treated this as though they were the golden child, as opposed to this gift was the golden answer that is only working through them. And once they elevated to a certain point and they became so arrogant, it was gone. They had no ability. It was a humbling soul, body, mind and heart crushing element that left them reduced to nothing. And then they had to rebuild 
to learn who they were again and come back. It's very much like a, a, a movie you would see, right? You get too cocky about something and it's, you blow out your knee in the football movie or you, you know, yeah. throw out your arm in the baseball movie. And remember there's more to the gift than just the gift itself and who is, is uh, holding on to it. Um, that's that's, an that's exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. I think it's just, it's, it's, if I, if this was a podcast for Mongolians, it would sound like second nature. Um, it's sort of a Navy SEALs training. It's it's a very intense hazing, um, but the understanding is we're going to get your ego out almost like first. You know, and I, I would like to be clear, I'm coming forward with my story now. This was not two weeks ago that this happened. I have only become more open about my story after years and years, right. making sure that I'm ready, you know, because there are amazing, beautiful souls listening here right now. I don't, I, I don't want to I don't care if people know about me. I want to make sure that I'm sharing the right information and, and sharing it in the right way. So yeah, they're brutal. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have to do this. Let's take a quick uh, stop here and, and gather our thoughts. And when we return, let's start talking about um, connections, attachments, uh, soul possessions uh, of that elk and what it really means. Does it actually happen? And if so, what can we do to break these ties that bind. We'll do that when we return. You're listening to the very best in paranormal programming. I'm your host, Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hello to all my friends in Richmond, Virginia. I hope that you'll come out and see me on Nightmare Weekend. This weekend, October 13th through the 15th, will be part of Galaxy Con's Nightmare Weekend. You can see me along with some of your absolute favorite horror movie icons all under one roof. I'll be doing, I think, five or six different paranormal talks throughout the weekend. You will have a chance to meet some of your favorite 
horror icons and get photographs with them, get autographs with them, hear talks by them. So make sure you come on out and check it out. You get more information about that at darknessevents.com. Next weekend, October 20th through the 22nd, Scarefest Weekend, the sinister side of Comic-Con comes to Lexington, Kentucky at the Central Bank Center. There are going to be so many different horror movie icons right there in Lexington, Kentucky. And you'll get to see me and Shane Pittman. We're both going to be on on hand as well as some other great paranormal uh, personalities and speakers. So again, come on out and see us. Scarefest weekend, October 20th through the 22nd in Lexington, Kentucky. And as always, more information at darknessevents.com. And coming up soon, we have Halloween weekend at the Haunted Shanley Hotel. It's a special event, October 27th and 28th in Napanock, New York. Scotty, the medium, will be a special guest along with me. We will be investigating claims of the strange and supernatural. There will be talks. There will be fun. There will be pizza parties. What more could one possibly want from the supernatural? Go check it out for yourself. And the following weekend, the first weekend in November, it is the ninth annual New Jersey Para Unity Expert, the Ghost Hunters, Ghost Brothers, Adam Berry, Destination Fear, now known as Project Fear. Uh, Chip Coffey, John Zaffis, the godfather of the paranormal, will be on hand. I'm going to be there as well. It is going to be an amazing weekend. We always have a great time. Tickets are on sale. Again, get all that information and more at darknessevents.com. We're back, Francis Ullman, our guest, and uh, we're going to dive into some of the aspects of working with spirit. And Francis, so many people ask me about their fear of attachments. I, my main goal is to try to get people to get out of the mindset of fear by walking in a fearful place, by, by elevating that negative resonance, you're going to get ghosts that are going to screw with you, you're going to get things that are going to muck about because that's their level. They love to be in that level of chaos. And by walking kind of above it and, and not walking in fear all the time, I feel that's why I don't have the walls bleeding in my house or, or my dog's head spinning and speaking to me backwards. Um, my cats, yes, that happens all the time, but I just blame that on being a cat. So mm -hmm. the, the the reality of attachments. Can you talk us through this? Does that really happen? And how often can another spirit attach to us? Absolutely. And I think we could make this show a lot shorter if I just said, listen to Dave, because the way you talk about it, I think is phenomenal. Like you, ha you, you have to really, truly, you have to walk in these situations, taking care of your energy, protecting your energy, and that's that I think the it's not a coincidence that you don't have the experiences that other people have. So I would like to explain just very, very briefly my perspective and worldview because it will make all of my stories make sense. Okay. So as a Mongolian shaman, when you take this initiation, what happens is you're merged with an onga, a primary spirit. And your primary spirit is like your boss. He's your teacher. He's your guide. He's the number one person that I work with. So I do not have a certificate. You don't get certificates in Mongolian shamanism. <laughs> unless not you're yet, former. but if you're crazy, sign not up right yet. now for Crazy Dave's <laughs> Mongolian shamanism court for just $29.99. You're going to get this certificate. And that's Dave not and, all. Hey, I want in. Dave you and Francis. You get Dave Schrader shaman at large. That's right. <laughs> okay, so you, you're going 
sponsored a real thing. This isn't an online study course. There is no no I, barbecuing, right? There is no certificate. I mean, I live there part of the year. I work with Mongolians, and I also have this uh, spirit, my own god. Um, I call him a jerk. That's why my podcast is named "Not All Spirits Are Jerks" because he is a jerk. But he also teaches me protection. So in Mongolian shamanism, and I think this is really relevant for our conversation, in Mongolian shamanism, you have white shamans and black shamans. That has nothing to do with good and evil. White shamans are more like what we would think of as like people who do Reiki and energy healing. Black shamans are the ones who do more divination and protection. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, you have a shaman who is recognized as both. I have been recognized as both, not by one, again, by many shamans. This isn't just me coming out here saying this. Like, this is a, a part of who I am within Mongolia. So when I am talking to people tonight about, like, spirit removal, this is coming from my training as a, a black shaman. And my training comes not from humans, but from my own God. So everything I'm going to talk to you might sound a little different than how other people have spoken to you about it because I don't have a human teacher in these things. I mm -hmm. only have this spirit, this high spirit that works with me. Um, absolutely. Dark spirits are everywhere. And I think the best way to think about it is there are two levels. The first thing is your energy, your responsibility, right? Like mm -hmm. if you if you're just having a bunch of sex and you're not using a condom and you go to your doctor and you're like, ah, it's so itchy, what's happening? You know, your doctor first is going to be like... You stop using your psychic abilities on me, Francis Holman. <laughs> stop it. Right now. I'm sorry. Oh. La, 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 la. Don't be friends with me. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, your doctor is... The first thing they're going to say is like, are you using protection? It, it's not different in the paranormal. And I, I really wish that this was more of just like an open conversation of like, what are you doing for prevention? You know, most of us wash our hands. Mm -hmm. And if you, you're... If you're in like a urinal in like a subway in New York and you see the one dude who's not washing his hands and then he's going out like touching the doors and stuff, you know, a lot of us are going to be like, maybe I shouldn't touch that door. We have to take responsibility for our energy. When we don't, if we're not managing this, this is, I think, the first thing to be thinking about because we will get attachments. Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that I think about it, the way that my own God, my spirit guide, my primary spirit guide talks to me, he just had me knock my drum right now, um, is he has me imagine what we call a yurt, like a gur in Mongolia. So imagine if you have seen it before, a Mongolian traditional house, which some people still live in, but not everyone. It's actually a circle. And then in the middle, there's a fire. And I think of that as a beautiful analogy for our energy body. The fire in the inside is like our life force. And that comes to the conversation of soul retrieval. We need to tend to that fire and take care of it. But outside, the, there is that this, there's this, there's the protective layer from the elements. And if we're not making sure that we have that protection around us, then spirits come in. And I think, like I was listening to a podcast of yours some time ago, and you were speaking with a woman, and she had done that super creepy investigation in Florida. And they all got like, yeah. And I was thinking, like, y'all just, well, no, 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 that's not true. They, that's, uh, they, she was doing beautiful work. Mm -hmm. Um, but that it was a situation where I felt like, right, my own gut was saying we wouldn't have let you go there, because 
that those spirits there were so even now i'm just getting that like cold chill through me they were so strong they can get through the protection protective layer but in that episode as she's talking what you did is you you put a little like shell around all of us all of our listeners as she's talking that for me is reinforcing you know we have to take care of that barrier around us mm-hmm so for me, when we think about how do we prevent having attachments and dark spirits around us, there's two things. The first thing is you got to have protection. You got to have a boundary. And I'm talking as a someone that is in the shamanic mind. Protection does not mean me. It means calling in those higher spirits around us. And that every culture across the world have different ways to do that. The second thing is uh, raising your vibration. What does vibration mean? I don't know. Let's have a vodka and we can talk about it. You can have a beer. I'll have a vodka. We'll chat about it sometime. (laughs) But for now, it's the word I have. Um, But, you know, in the West, I think we have a lot of really beautiful souls doing healing work, doing Reiki. But they are some of the people that pull the most attachments. So it can't just be about having a high vibration because they don't have doors around their gear. Mm-hmm. It can't just be about having doors around our gear because when we go to places that have dark energy, they come to us. If you want to take care of your energy preventatively, it's two things. I think it's it's making that boundary. And for me, that means calling the spirits around you and the ancestors. And it's it's keeping your vibration high. You know, don't hang out with uh, low vibrations. That's good. And if I may, you know, folks, for those of you that are still on the, well, what is vibration? I mean, it sounds like woo-woo talk, right? I liken it to this. You're just laying on your couch right now, listening to a podcast. You're sedentary. You're not a thing in motion. And that is how most of us live our life as a being that just exists. But you go to a concert and a live show, and you're singing along and you're dancing and you're moving and there's a different energy level to who you are elementally, physically, physiologically, molecularly, there's a change and that is a vibration and you can feel it in a crowd. And anybody that's been to a big concert, especially one of your favorite bands, even if it's some melancholy, you know, slow-mo music, uh, you can, you can feel like a wave of energy in these in these moments because you're locking in and sharing whether you meant to or not there is a commonality that brings you all up and when you're resonating in a low space that's when we get sick that's when we allow depression and anxiety in that's when we find ourselves feeling isolated but when we're up and we're doing something and engaging in the moment that's when the energy's up there. You don't have to physically vibrate. You're not, we're not talking, you're not a tuning fork. But spiritually speaking, you should be. You should always be looking to attract the moments that are going to resonate and change other people and yourself so that you're never sedentary in the sense of just feeling this. And that's something I'm weak at as well. I mean, I we all fall into that wallowing uh, hollow of hell where we just feel like life is happening to us. And we forget that Sometimes when we strike that fork and we shake shit up, right, we can take back control and and you change the parameters. There are many different modalities of energy healing, right, where uh, feng shui and and, uh, Chinese bells and things where you shatter the sound, you're you're vibrating the room to change the energy. And I've, I've been there beforehand and I've been there afterwards as a skeptic thinking, this is different. There is definitely a different vibe to this room now that it is been resonating at a higher, louder frequency. 
it's really kind of astounding to me that we as people know that we have these moments, but it's like as soon as we unplug from it, we forget how we got there to begin with. And it's not that far. We're always just, a, you know, a jump to the left and a step to the right, and we're right back into the time warp again, right? Absolutely. And I hate myself for what I'm about to say, but my <laughs> my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, uh, he's, he's a very dear soul to me. Uh, and they're the cutest couple ever. She's a pilot. He's, a, he's an air traffic controller. So sometimes he helps her land the plane. He likes Dave Matthews. I don't like Dave Matthews. But, um, <laughs> it's I'm with you. Shane Pittman is a Dave Matthews guy. Dave Schrader is not a oh. Dave Matthews guy. I can feel that. No, Shane is a that Dave Matthews. Sense. I got you. That makes sense. I'm just kidding. Uh, so... But when I think about him listening to it, that's what came to mind. And like he took his young daughter, his tween daughter to the concert. That's an experience of raising vibration. It's not going to raise my vibration, but but it's exactly what you're saying. I don't want this to have anything to do with like the wooey new age stuff. It's not also about, it's also not about religion. You can trust your intuition. What raises your vibration? And that cleans things too. When we're talking about attachments, we all have the power within us if we follow our intuition to know what is setting us in the right space and what's not, what's cleaning our yurt and what's not. I know our time is getting short. I want to tell you a story and I think Please. everyone will really enjoy this. Okay. So this is how I was trained to re remove attachment. So there's the, there's the section of like how you do it yourself. And I would say that's take care of yourself preventatively, use your like spiritual condom, and, you know, do protection, say the right words before you, you go. Know I have 11 children and that word you keep using makes no sense to me, right? <laughs> you do know I'm getting messages from my own gut right now about what I should say. <laughs> no, please feel free. <laughs> anyway, and I have no children. So <laughs> there we go. So that's, that's one half of it, but you know what? Attachments happen. Attachments happen to me. And sometimes they're really difficult. You know, sometimes they're very difficult to get off. I always have this fantasy of at going to a paranormal conference and just setting up my booth. And I just like do the clearing, like just like a factory going through clearing people. But here's how I was trained. When I say there's no certificate, this is what I mean. My own got when I was in Mongolia one time. So what I do in Mongolia is I sit with people and I sit with people literally from when I get there, which is in the afternoon because I sleep in the, I sleep quite late, but I'm there until 11 at night. And I just sit with people. I couldn't, I couldn't see as many people as are trying to see me and people are coming to me. And of course they're asking me to remove entities or I sense them, you know, they're sick. It, most people don't always know when they have them. Very early on, my own got meaning my Mongolian spirit guide, he said to me, okay, here's how we're, he, he, this is his training. He's an asshole. Sorry. I don't know if I can say that. The one, it, it's an appropriate he, word. And he's not listening. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what he said to you when we get off here. Right. But he, uh, so he said to me, yeah, you, you, here's what you do. Here's how you remove them. Here's what you do. Here's how you remove them. I got back to my apartment in Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia. My toilet had broken, wasn't flushing, wasn't flushing. I called the, the, the plumber, couldn't come. He'll be there tomorrow. Turns out he's maybe I think had a little bit to drink. Couldn't, couldn't make it that day. My own gut said to me, tell me again what you did. And I would say to him, this is how I removed it. I did this. I did this. I did this. This dragged on Dave, three weeks okay. yeah 
I would like all of our imagine our listeners to imagine in all their senses mm-hmm. I, three weeks. And what he said to me is, this is what happens when you think you are the one removing things. The shit is yours. Right. Interesting. You know, yeah. His, uh, and that's why I say there's no certificate for this. It was the teaching I needed. As soon as he said that to me and I understood it, he said, do it this way. I went back to the person in, in you know, space and time aren't, or uh, place and time aren't quite real. I went back into space, my office. I did the removal with him again. And he said, this time I do the removal. You, Francis, are nothing. You are the way that I come into this realm. Your job is to be, when we talk about protection, your job is to clean your energy and stay in our protection. That's it. And we move through you. As soon as he was the one that did it, the plumber called up and said he could come and fix my toilet. And I mean, full disclosure, can you, I was in the apartment with three weeks of work. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I don't want to be, but I'm there. So, right. It's an interesting element of all of our walks of life. There's a difference between being conceited and convinced right and i've told that story in the past i love your story i love that story right and and the fact is that you can just be convinced of your ability to help but knowing that how you're helping comes from the training you know even the greatest surgeon in the world is only a great surgeon because he opened himself and allowed to learn from great surgeons and doctors and teachers and when you remember that and remember that this knowledge and information came from somewhere else and you're giving gratitude and thanks to those elements that's when you're i think going to see much more success the the god complex is not the way to Absolutely. My spirits tell me gratitude is power. They tell me gratitude is power. Power is gratitude. Sure. Now, when we have these uh, attachments, I've I've talked to a lot of people and I've I've always been curious if, and this will tie into the soul retrieval, which if you're willing to stay later, we'll we'll get into after the top of the hour. Um, We kind of set the stage for the first half an hour. This half an hour, we're talking about uh, attachments and such. And we'll take it through another 30 minutes and dealing with soul retrieval and what that is. But I often wondered if some of these attachments are elements of us we have not yet learned to process into this lifetime. Is it uh, part of Dave, the Mongolian conqueror from, you know, ancient days and, uh, you know, Dave, the the pilgrim wife who, um, you know, poisoned her husband and Dave that, you know, just these little segments of me from other past lives that I have not learned to integrate, uh, and, and, you know, find a way to come to terms with, is that a possibility that some of these things have nothing to do with, uh, dead Mr. Jones next door, but really just dead elements of who we are and our own personalities, past, present, and future. Absolutely. And I think like genuinely, I'm not just saying this because I'm here you ask better questions than a lot of the people ask in more like uh, spaces that we're talking about things like how to take care of our spiritual path or whatever. It, you're so perceptive, you know, and your question, I think it's right to the heart of it. What are we trying to do here? And if we feel that something is off, it becomes a very complicated question. And I don't think it helps anyone to reduce it down to just it was an attachment. Mm-hmm. 
and and I as even as a shaman and seeing with the spirit eyes that I see, I don't always know quite frankly what I'm doing. What I was told quite early on is only the young shamans know what they're doing. And I think that's relevant not just for me, but for all of us. If something feels off, there's something to manage. So like you, you've talked about this quite openly. Depression is a close friend. And I do mm-hmm. have gone through times where I've been in, in very deep, dark places. Is that an attachment? Is that ancestral stuff? Is it past? You know, like, yes, but it's ours to hold. And I don't think the answers are always easy. Because sometimes we can have these past experiences within ourselves or ancestral uh, spaces that leave the holes open within us that allow for attachments. So it's never, it's not, we can't just like reduce it down to one answer. Quite often the answer is very multi-layered, multifaceted. Oh, Loki, thank you. Yeah, Loki says I needed to hear this tonight. I think a lot of people do, right? I mean, it's an interesting element that we uh, we often forget, you know, we want to put the blame somewhere besides ourselves. We want to yeah. take our wounds and instead of heal them, carry them forward like a shield and let those wounds continue to just be pummeled. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the attachments, I think a lot of it are the the thoughts, the things that we carry with us, that that voice in our heart and in our mind and in our soul that we know is ours, but not an element of us that we're proud of or happy to have there. And we need to just learn to come to terms with sometimes we're just shitty humans and it's okay. And now that we've embraced that fact, what can we do to make sure moving forward, we're less shitty than we were yesterday. And it's always a baby step situation, right? It's, it's okay. Let's just start with um, greeting people with a smile and saying, hello. And I hope you're having a great day today, Francis. Great seeing you. Oh, your hair looks great today, Jane. Oh, hey, Bob, thanks a lot for uh, coming by. Or, you know, just acknowledging people and getting out of the headspace of what a jerk. Did you see the way that guy came in? Why are we even in those mental spaces, right? Those become, I think, a lot of the attachments we we carry on our back like a stone. Absolutely. Um, I and think I'm not that dismissing, you... I, I want people to know too, and you, I'm not just dismissing that there isn't spiritual attachments to us, but I think we're giving them the food to eat off of. Yeah, absolutely. And we tell you, in Mongol- Mongolia, they love curses and I'm cursing and it, that's not always the answer. And I think you say what uh, needs to be said and not all Mongolian shamans even say this, which is we, we must take responsibility for ourselves and our lives and our path. Even if we, you know, we can't, like, you've said it better than I could ever say in past podcasts that, like, we're not the victim of what has happened to us. It has happened to us. And it is what mm, you said it better than me. It's what we can use, you know, Mm -hmm. to feel our journey. But for me, I think what I have found to be fundamentally true is every everything that feels like a step in the right direction for me always in some ways is a benefit to others, even if it's just hating someone a little bit less. It's not always like a direct thing because energy is true before matter. Right. Now, if we do find ourselves dealing with energies we know are not our own, Mm. what do we do that can empower us to start to separate from that energy so that we can say, hey, this is not your place. This is not it. And I know a lot of people have a hard time believing that even just speaking out loud and laying down that groundwork works. A lot of people are like, what if I just piss it off? Right? What if it just gets more irritated because I'm telling it no? Well, you know, 
you got to tell it no. You got to yeah. tell it no. Yeah, I not to plug my Patreon, but uh, I uh, which we I, have a link for on today's which we have program. A link for, but, yeah. but I think prevention, first of all, prevention is key. And what I every time I sit with someone individually, what we always work on first is ground, clean, protect, grounding your energy, connecting with Mama Earth, cleaning, getting getting rid of things. You can learn how to do this yourself using the energy around you and protection putting that uh, that like you're building that that boundary around you um so i do i do teach this in a way that you could go to patreon i'm just saying and be there for a month and and live and learn and leave but prevention is really really important the other thing that you can do is i think hmm, non-engagement gosh it's it's so complicated for me i i don't know that i could give an answer that feels good to me because i've seen mm -hmm. so many different experiences like i have a very close friend who is also a sacred healer she actually had an attachment follow her from a past life you know like it, in terms of like like fault it's certainly not her fault but she's still got to get rid of it because then it was with her children spooking her children as they were young attachments um can come from like uh so many of us are very open-hearted kind people let me tell you, that doesn't work. Like you gotta have the protection around you. So it's not a, it, it, and some of us are a-holes and then th th that ends up matching energy. It, it's very, no, well, in the right way. I mean, Shane and I might have different opinions. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, it's hard for me without sitting with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Your question is a little bit like coming into a doctor and saying, what's wrong with me? The answer is gonna be different all the time. Prevention is key. Also, trusting your intuition. If you think something is on you, it very well may, it might be exactly what you're saying, but it's incredible to me how often people have something on them and how to get it off. Uh, I would say ground and cleaning, protecting energy. Mm -hmm. And the ways that you can do that are sometimes even going into, like I remember early on, my Onga, he, uh, when I was living in North Carolina, had a real nasty attachment on me. He actually directed me to sit in a, a church. It was actually a black church. And I, in North Carolina, looking like this, <laughs> felt a little uncomfortable, honestly, going into the space. Everyone there was so lovely and welcoming. And they, it was choir practice. It was like a Wednesday afternoon. Everyone was amazing. I sat there for 20 minutes and I talked to everyone. And I said, oh, I just want to see I, I just want to meet my neighbors. You know, I just want to see what it, is. it was an incredible experience. And I left there without the attachment. The truth is going into certain like spaces, listening to Dave Matthews. Could he be the, could he be the, the prophet? <laughs> there are many different ways. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I don't claim to be mediumistic or, or anything. And I don't certainly can't channel, but then I feel like in a sense I do. And I think many of us do when we get things as you're speaking of, and we're looking for that magic bullet and we think, but there is no magic in the world. There's nothing. You can't just imagine yourself in glowing gold light and everything is safe, but I'm going to throw something at you. Not just you, all of the listeners around the world listening right now, right now you're having a hard time believing that just by envisioning yourself surrounded in white light and giving yourself that permission to push things away that don't belong to you reclaim the parts that do sounds ridiculous yet at one point in your life when you were afraid there was one thing you could do that brought you comfort 
and you pulled those sheets up over the top of your head and you only peeked out and you brought them up further. Those little sheets meant nothing. But to you, it was the difference between safety and being fearful. And although you were fearful under that sheet, you felt that you had more control under there as though if it could not see you, it could not affect you. So there is a magic to the things that we do and we've been doing it. It's an, an innate ability within us to find a way to shield ourselves, to cover ourselves and keep these things out in a way. And only in horror movies does the monster appear underneath the sheet and grab you anyway. We, we were all safe. We had those moments and it wasn't until you peeked back out that you saw what was there, but it seemed like it respected the boundary of those 300 count Egyptian sheets, Egyptian sheets right, right. that were not blessed. Beautiful. By they were Power Ranger sheets that stopped yeah. them. Yeah. Right? You don't need me. Exactly. Yeah. This, you are a teacher. I'm telling you, Dave. You... No. <laughs> I'm not. A... They're the teachers. I'm just speaking right now because yeah. they don't have their own podcast. Yeah. But I love that I'm talking about like I live in Mongolia so, for part of the year and it's a yurt and you're talking about sheets. Perfect. Right. Because it just breaks it all down to be like, ultimately, we all have the power within ourselves. You all don't need a shaman. You don't need me. You need to have the belief in the sheets. Right. Because what that really is, it's I just think you said it much better than I ever could have. Exactly. But let me go clear here. You may not need Francis, but you all need me. You'll always need me. Look me in the eyes. We all need Dave. You'll always need the Dave. We'll be back. We've got more to discuss. A whole nother half an hour coming your way here on the director's cut of the Paranormal 60. In the shadowed realm where moonlight weaves, where ghosts and ghouls find reprieve, a magazine emerges from the depths of known. Haunted 39 has ominously grown. Its pages whisper tales of spectral fright, of haunted houses in the dead of night. The return, a shiver crawls down your spine as you delve into the macabre, line by line. Order direct from hauntedmagazineprintshop.com Available in the shops from the 5th of September. And remember, kids, don't be normal, be paranormal. Innovation, creation, vitality, and joy are the pulse of MySoulTopia.com. With many custom creations for the mind, body, and spirit, along with classes, intuitive sessions, coaching, MySoulTopia.com strives to bring sophistication with a twist to the metaphysical and the holistic market while raising the community's vibration and channeling the new paradigm, which means new and exciting adventures for all. MySoulTopia.com is utopia for your soul. Visit MySoulTopia.com, your one-stop shop for all your metaphysical needs. Offering hand-selected crystals and crystal jewelry, with prices to fit every budget. MySoulTopia.com offers the best selections of tarot and divination cards by top designers, expertly curated and award-winning book collections from top
top authors on every subject you'll need on your spiritual journey. My Soultopia is also proud to offer the finest singing bowls and an eclectic collection of the most amazing gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry from the top metaphysical designers in the world. MySoulTopia.com is always your one-stop shop for award-winning mixes of Florida water, sage spray, and other spiritual protection. So begin your journey with the best resource, MySoulTopia.com. That's MySoulTopia.com. Why mess with the rest when you can start with the best? MySoulTopia.com. Again, that's M-Y-S-O-U-L. T-O-P-I-A dot com. Maybe you're looking for answers and you want somebody to be your guide on that journey, but you're not sure where to begin. Why not begin with Love and Lotus Tarot? Winnie Schrader, you can find her right on our site. Go to Paranormal60.com. Click on the Love and Lotus Tarot banner. You can find more information there. Book your readings now. Have someone to hold your hand through these times to help you understand the world around us and give you the answers that the spirits want to share. Love and Lotus Tarot. Go find it now on the Paranormal60.com website. All right, we are back. Francis Ullman, our guest. We've been talking about uh, her abilities. We've been talking about her journey. We've been talking about uh, attachments and things that are on us. And I want to talk about soul retrieval for this last segment. And I know that we've we've just ice skated over a lot of these pieces here tonight together. And that's okay, because I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. Francis can always come back to the show and we can do more. What do you think, Francis? Are you open I'd for that? I, of course, yeah. I'd love to. I think maybe we need a nice interactive show. We'll call it the Shaman and the Schrader on Wednesday nights. You pop in and we'll just answer questions. And well, only if we do that, I want to, uh, so I'll have the vodka and you have the beer. <laughs> I, well, I'm not a beer drinker. Can I have my screwball whiskey? Will that be all right? Yes, the whiskey. Yeah, yeah there we Excellent. go. Exactly as I hoped. All right. So <laughs> let's start talking about uh, the concept of soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. Break it down into the most basic form for me. What does that really mean? Oh, Dave, you're never going to get a basic answer from me. So if you ask me what a soul is, look, we got to have our whiskey and our vodka. And I want to hear from your viewers. I think we need to get him to come to Mongolia. <laughs> Good luck with that. Your comments, no, you would love it. I the think you're going to take me to some place with no air conditioning and no McRib sandwiches. No. And I'm not calling for that shenanigans. For I am people. going. I, this is the beginning. And I want I want all of your fans and community to help me. Friends, Let's get friends. it. Let's get Dave to Mongolia. Let me tell you, you would have the time of your life, the worst hangover, and the best time of your life. That's so if, if, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you would love it there. If we ever get you there, we can have a conversation over the fire about what a soul is. What is it? I'll just vanish. Uh, but we. <laughs> but but for now, we're going to pretend, for tonight, yeah. we're going to pretend that there is a soul and that a soul is an easy thing that we can talk about. But even then, I think the way I'm going to talk about a soul, because before we talk about soul retrieval, we need to talk about what a soul is. Mm -hmm. This is the way it has been shown to me. I've been shown a soul as, imagine a tree. Mm -hmm. And there's like a flock of birds in a tree. Right. You know, when something scary happens, like a car backfires, sometimes the trees will, the birds will disperse from the tree. Right. But what we want is them to come back. 
a full soul integrated within our body. It was in the full flock of birds is in the tree. But sometimes when something scary happens and a lot of the birds scare and, mm -hmm. and, and, and scatter, they don't always come back. And that's when we need to do a soul retrieval. And what's interesting to me is when I went to uh, Chiapas in Southern Mexico, I was on Southern Mexican side of the border of uh, the Mayan lands. I was speaking with a sacred healer there. So she didn't even speak Spanish. She only spoke her Mayan language and I needed to have a translator. And she talked about a soul and doing soul retrieval work a little bit differently, but it was roughly the same that they go on the hills and they, they it's on a video I have somewhere, but that we were talking about it, you know, it's always we're working in metaphors, but in a very similar way. So a soul retrieval, first of all, is trying when something scary and traumatic happened, it, we're, we're calling those birds back. It's pieces of us. When I do soul retrieval work, what happens is I have a sense of like, when that soul loss happened. But like you said, unfortunately, um, but the reality is a lot of us even come into this life at birth with not having all of our birds in the tree. I know um, a lot of people that don't have all the birds in their tree. Totally. <laughs> I think marbles is that analogy, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. we can say no, birds in the tree. It, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me tell you a story because I love stories and I think they're the, the best teachers and entertaining right. if, if nothing else. So most of the work that I do is remote because I'm always traveling. It didn't come up, but I've lived in over 250 places. I don't have a steady home. I'm in South Carolina now, but I was in Arizona yesterday. I took a red eye to get here and I'll be in Greenland in a couple of weeks. And then I live in the Arctic Circle in Norway for part of the year and then I'll be in Mongolia. So most of my work is remote. I did a soul retrieval with someone some time ago. She was in Nepal and she's someone that I knew well. She said, I, you know, I'm feeling like what I, I need to do some soul retrieval work. Well, the first thing I always do is I check on my own gut because I'm no one and nothing. I never, ever, ever, I don't even care what my opinion is about someone. When I'm doing this kind of work, I check with my, my own gut, my spirit. And he said, yes, it's time. She's ready to do soul retrieval work because she had done preparation work. I think when we're in the depths of places like sometimes when there are depths of depression or addiction or these difficult times, it is the right time to do soul retrieval work. Mm -hmm. But sometimes our soul isn't ready and hers was. So we do remotely, we do the soul retrieval. And I told her safety is not guaranteed. These Mongolian spirits are wild. And she, yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. So we do the soul retrieval work. A week later, she was in Kathmandu. She took a flight. She had to go a week later, fly somewhere. She flies there, Dave. After she lands, I don't, there was like a landslide. I don't remember. The, the airport is no longer functioning. <laughs> she had flown somewhere among, in uh, Nepal and could no longer get back to Kathmandu. She had to walk back to Kathmandu. She flew somewhere, walked back. Wow. She messaged me and she said something to the effect of Francis. I know this is the soul retrieval because soul retrieval. I think a lot of times when we talk about in the West or the ways I see it spoken about, it's sort of like I go on this like drum journey or have this healing and it comes back to me. And then the next day I feel so bright and light. And my experience is that's not always true because something scary happened to us and we need to revisit that to invite that peace back in. And so I think of it as bringing back a puppy. That's like mm -hmm. a nice analogy for me. 
her puppy she had to find in this walk back to Kathmandu because the piece of her that had been left, I, I don't want to give everyone's details away. So let's say it was eight years old, but the message that she had got was from the adults around her, I can't do this without help from others. I'm not as strong as others. Well, in this very legitimate, real soul retrieval way, they said, well, how about you walk back to Kathmandu? That, I think, is a real soul retrieval. When a real soul retrieval happens, yes, it can be a moment, and it can be a moment with a sacred healer like a shaman or a sound healer or a priest, whoever is around you. But that is call, that's finding the puppy that was lost. And you and I, I think, share very similar ideas of time. Whatever that means, it's going to, it's moving through time, finding that piece of us and bringing it back. We found the puppy. But what happens if you bring a puppy home and you don't feed it? That's right. the that's the second part of soul retrieval work. You can't just have this beautiful experience. Once you find it and you bring it back, and that's what she was forced to do in that walk, you have to learn how to take care of that part of yourself that you did not know how to take care of before. So the birds fly away through traumatic events. And let me tell you, trauma can be the big stuff, but I really wanna honor everyone's path. And as someone myself that has been through really dark times, I mean, I've been in months where I can't get to take care of myself. I can't shower, you know, I just don't feel like I have enough within me to get into the shower. It's okay if you feel like some of the most traumatic things that happened to you were something that no one else understands because it was just like that guy didn't message me back. You know, we're, we're, we don't come into these lives in a blank slate. And a lot of that is often ancestral. It's just, it's devastating to us. So, so soul retrieval work is often bringing back pieces of ourselves. And when we say trauma, I think that can be misleading because we need to honor our own soul path. And what we experience is traumatic for us doesn't always sound like the headline story that gets into the news for others. Yeah, I've said uh, for years, people will ask me, Dave, when you hear some of these people's stories, how are you not rolling your eyes at them? How are you not laughing out loud at the ludicrous notion? And I used to. I'd turn off my microphone when I was in the radio station and shake my head and roll my eyes and think, oh, my God, what a loon. Who? What? You had what kind of encounter? Good Lord. And I wouldn't say anything. I would be respectful on air. And then I would get messages from around the world from people that heard the story and they were like, my God, I thought I was the only one. I feel so much better knowing. And I thought, oh, isn't it interesting? Just because it's not the path I've taken and not the experiences I've had, it's no less important to let somebody shine for a little bit and share. And I've learned more lessons in allowing people to just have their experience as meaningful or not as it is. And we do take things differently, right? To one person not getting texted by that special someone no big deal. Let's move on. That's God's way of showing me real fast. This is not the person for me to somebody else. It's why does God even bring this into my life? Because if I'm just going to be hurt, well, you know, sometimes the best prayers are the unanswered ones. Sometimes yeah. the things that we think we want are not good for us. And in the immortal words of the bard, Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want, but if you find sometimes you just might get what you need. You just might get what you need. Exactly. And don't let anyone else tell you what was traumatic for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and it's hard to dismiss, right? That's that's our big problem as men. Suck it up, Dave. Stop acting like a girl. Don't be why is it a girl? Because it's not something you're familiar with, it's not something you're comfortable with. It's really hurtful when my daughters say it to me, but that's beside <laughs> the point. But the you know, we we 
we want to elevate somebody in kind of a tough love kind of way. And it's, that's not always the way it needs to be. Right. Sometimes we just have to, and sometimes it's not even in the speaking of the moment. It's in just being there and putting your armor on the person and letting them feel like hell. But I'm going to say something controversial and uh, <laughs> wouldn't be me if I didn't, okay. you know, you're, you're very open about like, if you need a hug and you see me at a conference, come get a hug. That's soul retrieval work right there. Hmm. It, it might not be bringing back all the birds, but it might, and it and it's bringing back one or two. I, I don't like this idea of soul retrieval, like, now I'm back. No, man. Like, I think it's, you're calling back some, and then you're showing the others away. You giving those hugs to people, and the way that you're so open, like, I, if you need a hug, come ask. I'm here for you. You're, to me, doing soul retrieval work. Soul retrieval work can happen seeing a sunset, uh, after a hard day and you're just sitting and you're looking at the sun and you think of your grandfather, because I do believe some of us, not all of us, and have ancestors around that can do soul retrieval work. Having a sudden spontaneous interest in doing woodwork and you suddenly find yourself like whittling little elves. <laughs> You've never even encountered like any elves fairy tales before. It Soul retrieval work, I, I do it. I think I'm pretty good because I'm not doing it. I'm doing it with a great spirit. You don't need a shaman. You don't need a healer. I think following the intuition in yourself, sometimes we know what we need. Oh, Astrid, thank you. Astrid thank says, you. these things you say about trauma make so much sense. I've taken so much time to dive into and work with my trauma in order to find a real way out of it. It's so much self-work. Yeah. And, you know, and that's beautiful. I'm glad that you're taking that time. A lot of people don't take that time because we don't feel we deserve it. We're supposed to be yeah. there for everybody else and we're not allowed to do this. You can't lift up and help others if your your legs are broken. You, so you got to tend to those legs first before you can stand up and help somebody else, right? And that's, that's pretty amazing. And, and you know, I, I appreciate you mentioning the hug thing. I had somebody kind of uh, put me in check recently regarding that. Uh, I was at one of the conventions and I apologize. Uh, I wish I probably, I, I wish I would have gotten his name, but it kind of feels better that I didn't as weird as this is going to sound. Uh, guy just came up to my table, big burly guy. And he goes, give me a hug. And I stood up and I said, you need a hug. And I gave him a hug. He goes, no, you do. Oh, wow. And I thought, wow. And he goes, I never thought about it. You're not just giving hugs to everybody else to feel good. Sometimes you need it just as much as they do. Wow. Wow. That was beautiful. And then he just, this big bearer of a man just kind of walked yeah. off. And uh, it was really kind of a beautiful little that's, that's moment. Yeah. That's very much how I think about soul retrieval. You know, we're, we're in like the internet age and they're like, also, I would like to acknowledge all of us for all of our past lives, you and me and all of us listening to this, this is all of our first life dealing with the internet right <laughs> so none of our souls are good at this yeah and i i'm not a very as much as my story is sensational i'm not a very sensational person and i think the soul it's almost like tides it comes and goes and uh that hug you might have brought a bird back home for you smiling at someone in the grocery store spontaneously you don't know why or sometimes the huge things you know going to indonesia and doing a retreat and like having a few fermented coconuts with a cutie like who knows mm -hmm. but i i think your soul is always looking to get on its path there's always spirits and energies around you as i see it shamanically there's always something around you especially if you're listening to this podcast it means there's something around you because we're all like affecting in our, each other in a good way 
there's something around you trying to pull you on the path in the right direction. And if your intuition says, I just need to do something that you feel like is totally irresponsible, that in and that might be the soul retrieval that you need. You don't always need a shaman. Sometimes you just need to do that wild, unexpected thing. Let me ask you this, Francis. You know, we I sit here tonight with one concept that we go into soul retrieval to pull back those pieces of us that got spooked and scattered like crows from a tree, and some of them didn't make their way back. But I think there's elements of who we are that we leave behind that were good. And they were those happy moments when we were carefree and staying out all night playing, you know, flashlight tag with our friends and laughing ourselves till we pass grape soda and Oreos through our nose with our buddies, right? Or those, Pop Rocks. <laughs> right. Long night of, of Dungeons and Dragons in yeah, the basement. Yeah. Uh, and, and just having these fun nights and I often think, yeah, but those aren't moments I want to call back. And then I think, why wouldn't I, why, why shouldn't I, why just call back the broken pieces? Why not shore them up with the good moments and remember yeah. those good moments, not just remember them, but reintegrate and involve them back into my life so that they help me when I call back in the negative. Um, I I've, told people a very simple thing too. And I, I don't know, again, is it just a placebo effect, the sheet over your head to keep yourself safe from the monsters? But I tell people, don't be afraid to say tonight, I, Lord, I just ask for whatever God, deity or, or belief system you have universe. I just call back all of me. I call back all of my pieces and parts. I call back my energy. And I ask that you push back the energy that doesn't belong to me. Return I do that every day. People. Is that, is that okay? Some people feel selfish for doing that. Like if I'm pushing Francis's energy back, but what if Francis needs me? To me, that seems ego, right? Because then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, what if Francis <laughs> needs me? Well, she'll pick up the phone and call me. I always tell people just because you sever this tie today doesn't mean that it's gone forever. It just means that you're taking responsibility and care for yourself. And to remember that you're also taking care of Francis, because if I'm if if I'm holding that tether and I'm going down a hole, I'm just dragging you down energetically from a distance. Absolutely. Let me tell you, this is this could be a whole nother podcast episode, or I could sum it up in one sentence, which is, oh, thank you, Mary. We love you too. Uh, you just summarized my entire journey from psychologist to shaman, which took many, many years to recognize that if someone is drowning, you don't jump in and drown with them. You taking care of your heart, you taking care of your energy building that fire within you, calling yourself back. And I actually do that every single morning. May I call back every piece of me that has left and let go of what no longer serves me is becoming a light. And I don't, I don't, it's not a woo, right? Like it's a fire. It's a warmth that we can share with other people. You can't jump in and drown with someone else to save them. It's a woo because we're afraid to admit that it might just be that simple. I agree. Right. It's funny to think that, you know, the old saying was an apple a day keeps a doctor away, but how many of us tried it? What if it's true? Right. What if there right. is some truth to these old wives tales that by taking care of yourself and fortifying the spirit, mind and body simultaneously will put you in a place where you can be better and Absolutely. you can feel better and you can heal the wounds and help others heal their wounds as well. Absolutely. And I, not to plug my Patreon, but to plug my Patreon, this is what, you know, we're really growing a community there where we just talk about these things in a very non-woo way. Everyone is welcome to their spirituality, but it's not a, it's not a place of like, uh, I'm, it's not a team. It's not, this is my team. We're really getting to this place of like, how do we reconnect within the truth within ourselves? And personally, what I believe is that we're all good and good doesn't mean, um, 
good people get into detention and good people get into jail. This isn't about like good and bad in the ways we talked about before. I, I believe fundamentally our soul is, uh, the English language doesn't have words for it. But what that means is our intuition, when we learn how to tap into it, is always pulling us forward. And that is a, a soul retrieval and removing entities. They're two sides of the same coin for me, because if you are fully integrated within yourself, you're taking care of your hearth, you have your, I would say your, you say sheets around you, same thing, right? Then there's not a bit, there's not a lot of space for the dark attachments to come in. And if the dark attachments do come in, um, then there's a way they much eat more easily we can pull them out quite quickly because you have your strength within yourself to be strong in yourself. What did you say? I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. Yeah. That is the one of the best teachings I've ever heard, right? You're not conceited. Be convinced. You're here for a reason, right? You have a plan and it doesn't mean like God's plan. It just means like, here we are, right? And you exist. Therefore, your existence has a purpose mm -hmm. because we're all working together. And I think just even just like believing in yourself, you know, if if you're in a dark place listening to this podcast and you think, you know what, it might be okay that sometimes I'm a shitty human. Who's to say that doesn't call a bird home? But mm -hmm. this bullshit, sorry, I'm getting, I, I'm a very cursy person. I've, I've held it together, but you got me, you got me here for a while, Dave. To believe that BS of like, we're supposed to be perfect, bleh, that to be okay is uh, toxic to our souls. And soul retrieval, honest to goodness, sometimes is as small as like, am I effed up the other day? I'm okay with that. I, I do believe that's calling ourselves home. Right. And you don't even have to be okay with realizing that you were a bad person that day. It doesn't mean you have to be okay in the sense of, well, I accept that I'm kind of a jerk, but you can call it back and now know it so that you can face it and, and acknowledge right. it so that you don't do that again. Right. That's what we've talked about so much with the spirit realm and why ghosts are still there. They're there to remind us of the past. So hopefully we don't continue to make the same mistakes or we work harder to rectify the mistakes of the past and identifying boy, that was really crap what I did. And, you know, I, I, you know, I was bullied mercilessly as a, as a kid. And I think of the moments when I've lashed out and I've bullied somebody and right. how much it hurts my soul more than when I was bullied because I knew better, but right. it's okay. I was having a bad day. That's not the reality of it. It was a thing to do. So call it back, own it, put it away and don't do that again. Now you remember, oh yeah, that's what it feels like to hurt somebody that didn't yeah. serve me in any way, shape or form. And, and it left a part of me with Francis that she doesn't need or want, and she's got it tucked in her drawer. And I owe it to her and myself to pull it back and, and, you know, acknowledge it, apologize for it and move past it. And that's, you know, that's an interesting element to who we are as humans, uh, that we don't want to own up to the bad things. Right but they are also an important part of who we are. I was sitting here thinking, do I want to call back the garbage? Do I want to call back those days I was at? Well, I don't, that's not um, how I experienced it, but yeah, right. I think visiting why it happened, you know, actually let me give a brief story that will tie it all together. Really? Uh, dark attachments and soul retrieval. When I say, yes, Sandra, when I say that there are the two sides of the same coin, when we haven't fully called all of ourselves back, I think what often happens is sometimes we feel a lot of shame and we don't, 
we don't want to be with ourselves because we don't mm. really like who we are. What's happening is we're opening the door because you can't you can't like exist. You can't be less or more. You are right. Right. So if your birds are not in your tree, what's happening is there's more space in your tree for the dark entities to come in. And your Keep birds got to go somewhere. Your birds have to go somewhere. Right. And so those birds may end up, they, oh goodness, there's someone I have sat with for many years and he's such a beautiful soul. When we first started working together, what we realized is he is a sacred healer. So many of his birds had left through trauma and those birds were in the wrong realms and he was haunted. He had, in some ways we could say he had attachments, but what was happening is his soul, you know, soul retrieval work, attachments, it's not always that clear attachments might be parts of your soul in the wrong space mm -hmm. so learning how to accept who we are which includes all of the the parts of ourselves that we don't feel so good about but bringing us all together makes a stronger energy space within ourselves oh thank you jan i hope that's how you say it i think it's jean um, yeah she says she jean. loves it so much thank you as soon as it's posted i'm going to watch the parts i missed at the beginning thank you awesome thank you yeah, so so learning, you know, love ourselves is like, well, I don't love all myself. That's fine. <laughs> but bring us all back, right? You don't love all of your family all the time, but we can accept other than the ones that have caused serious trauma. We can bring us all together and say, but we're a family. And that's true for our soul, too. And that's a healthier place to be. So that's why I think these were such incredibly beautiful topics to bring together tonight, because the more that we can bring our birds back to, into our own tree, the less space there are, there is for attachments to be coming in. It's beautiful balance. Isn't it interesting too, that maybe sometimes those pieces of us that feel like an attachment, those pieces that feel like dark energies and souls clinging to us might be those elements of us that are desperately seeking to get back in and integrate and feel whole again as well. Yes. And that, you know, it's okay to let those elements of us back in, put them in their drawers where they belong and, you know, move past them. Uh, and I, I wonder how many people truly are doing that. You know, we did a, what I thought was a really beautiful episode of the Holzer Files, Texas, uh, the devil in Texas episode, where we met with a woman who was physically, sexually, mentally abused throughout most of her life. And here she was under demonic oppression something was pushing down on her, something was hurting her. And as we talked to her, we realized more and more, this is manifestations from her psyche, feeling unworthy, feeling unloved, feeling bad. And when she started to push, she actually physically affected the energy in the room where our, our, our mel meters, our REM pods were going off, cameras were glitching when we were getting her to push it out and say, yeah. this is my house. This is my life. Yeah. You don't belong here. And yeah. she started taking that control. It was crazy to yeah, feel I that, that episode. Yeah. Incredible. So. And that's where it's, you know, it, it, the categorization sometimes can be so difficult, but trusting like you deserve to feel comfortable within your own home, mm. you know, and, and, and all the pieces. Sometimes we can get lost in like, is this attachment removal? Is this soul retrieval? What's working? Exactly. Very strange. Um, Francis, as we say goodbye, what piece of advice do you have for listeners that want to have a bigger, better life? Oh, goodness. The first thing I always say is eat when you're hungry. You know, we live, it sounds simple, but we live in cultures that have 
taught us how to not respect our bodies anymore and how to not trust ourselves anymore. I don't mean body like looking good. Uh, we live in cultures that have taught us to no longer trust our intuition. And now that I live mainly outside of these kind of colonized spaces, primarily in, uh, in very different ways of knowing, doing, being, and perceiving, what I've learned is eat when you're hungry, sleep when you're tired, and sometimes the land that you're on is not the right land for you. You're whole. Everything you need is within you. Sometimes you just need to find the right space where you can feel whole. That's what came out. I don't know that I said that. It might have been my own guy. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And it's, you don't have to get it right the first time. You don't have to get it right the hundredth time. But the thing is, yeah. don't quit. Just keep trying. I mean, it's sort of like thousands, how many lives have we been? You know, like perfection is bullshit. Right. This is not a path of perfection. Right. <laughs> this is a path of eating when you're hungry and having some fun and letting go. You know, life is change and enjoy the hard, the good moments and know the hard moments come. And like, it's just, we're not here to be perfect. We're here to be, we're here to be. And you're just exactly where you should be. What a great conversation. And thank you for all who stayed behind and uh, are here with me for the sign off. And thank you very much uh, to our friend for being here tonight, Francis. I hope that you've taken something from tonight's episode. I hope that it's helped you and opened you to new layers of thought, that the darkness in the world around you might just be a little bit lighter with the information we shared. And I'll have Francis back because I think there's a lot more conversations that need to be had and a lot more learning and healing that perhaps we can assist you in. So stay tuned to the very best in paranormal talk radio and come back with me again in the future when we revisit this and more topics. Thank you again for giving some of your life and time to me. It's been an honor and a privilege. I'll see you again on Wednesday with the Paranormal 60 News. Mm -hmm.